Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. With home security, there's two ways you can go about protecting your home. There's the traditional way. With a gun. No, there's the traditional way where you wait weeks for a technician to do a messy installation that costs you a small fortune. Or there's the good way, which is Simply Safe. Simply Safe is everything you need in a home security system. It's award winning protection. Not one, but two times. These dudes have won the CNET Editor's Choice Award. Best thing about Simply Safe blankets your whole entire home in safety. In a blanket of defense. They call it the They don't call it anything. But either way, you get comprehensive protection from your entire home. Outdoor cameras, doorbells alert you to anyone approaching the home. Entry, motion, glass break sensors, guard inside. The only thing that they don't provide? Attack dogs. Why? Cost is too high. Food's very expensive. But you barely notice that the system is there. You don't even need attack dogs because it's so remarkable that you can actually set up this system by yourself. Anyone can do it. It takes 30 minutes to an hour tops. There's absolutely no trade-offs in your safety. You will have an army of highly trained security experts ready to dispatch police to your home at a moment's notice 24-7. And it's only 50 cents a day with no contracts. That's why The Verge calls Simply Safe the best home security system. Go to simplysafe.com slash team today and you'll get free shipping and a 60-day risk-free trial. You got nothing to lose. Go now. Be sure you go to S-I-M-P-L-I safe.com slash team. That's simplysafe.com slash team. Go Steelers! Go Steelers! Say go Steelers! Go Steelers! unprecedented amounts of time while captive in our respective abodes, we have taken advantage of the opportunity. The Washington, D.C. outpost, having received unheard of amounts of Lysol and dust, Murphy's oil, applied with miles of swifter pads, sponges, and abandoned bath towels, now finds itself as germ-free as a DARPA clean room. Welcome to the Steelers Outpost Podcast, a proud member of the Armchair All-Americans Network. It is April 5th, 2020. This is Tom coming to you from the Sawdust Studios at the Washington, D.C. Outpost. And Nick joins me from the Houston Outpost. You get a little cleaning done there at the Houston Outpost, Nicholas? Yeah, this place looks like it belongs to some sort of OCD crack fiend. I don't know if crack fiend's clean or maybe like somebody who did Praliden which was that speed drug that the Beatles used to use back in the Hamburg days, by the way, Beatles. This is kind of interesting, right? I think I think Malcolm Gladwell talks about this in the book about the 10,000 Hours, Outliers. Well, the Beatles, before they became the Beatles, they lived in Hamburg, Germany for two years playing cover shows in a bar all day long because I guess that's how the Germans got down 
at that time. There was actually people in these bars all day long, and they would play uh, like something like six hours of music every single day, basically seven days a week. They had to learn hundreds of covers, and it was exhausting. And the only way that they got through it was by taking pralidin, which at the time was a legal medication, which is actually speed, and that is what enabled them to learn all these songs, and then, consequently, you could argue that's what got them to their 10,000 hours rule, maybe gave them such a um, thorough knowledge of how pop songs were structured. I'm also hoping to, uh, uh, um, to accomplish the same thing over here, minus the prelude in, because, yeah, the house is clean, a lot of music being made, and, uh, yeah, a lot of hands being washed. Prelude is that the precursor to five hour energy? I'm, you know, by the way, after you said it, I'm like, I'm sure I'm pronouncing that wrong, and there's somebody yelling at the podcast right now, but it, 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 it definitely is the precursor to five hour energy. Um, energy in a, in a big way, though. It's the uh, Formula One version of the five hour energy. If five hour energy is boxcar racing. The Steelers reached back into the back seat to slap their little XFL brother and grab him to the front seat again, picking up Dwayne Hendricks, a pit, a graduate of Pitt in 2018. He's bounced around as an unrestricted free agent for the last couple of years among Miami, Jacksonville, and the Bears. He made the practice squad. So um, he got his debut with the St. Louis Battlehawks. Had four tackles and a sack. Yeah, hopefully this is the last time we ever talk about him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's not a lot of big signings going on right now, but when you see a, a, an edge rusher or a defensive end being signed, you just can't help but think of how funky this draft is, and we keep talking about it every week. Like, are they going, you know, how are they going to be able to pick these guys up? Are they going to be able to develop, to develop Skipper or Ola to be Bud's successor? or to be the third edge player uh, for this year? Or are they going to have to draft a guy in the second round to fill those roles? Let me ask you this. What do you think if, you know, they, the best guy available for them ends up being an edge in, in the second round? Or there's a safety and a receiver and an edge who are all at comparable you know, value levels, and they took an edge? I don't think it would necessarily be the worst thing in the world, like, even if you somehow are able to keep Bud long-term. So I could see how people would be annoyed with that because it seems like, okay, you have two great edge rushers. If you do get Bud locked up long-term, why would you want another one? But defensive line, including edge rushers, it's a good position to have another you know, guy to come in for them. More than really any other position on the field, you want waves of those, of those guys. And the Steelers' front seven has really been the strength as of the last year, uh, if not a little bit further than that. And uh, it wouldn't be a horrible pick that way. Although I guess they wouldn't have to um, worry too much about that if Dwayne Hendricks is secretly a superstar. My perspective has congealed into a hardened amber shell at this point. I think in order of priority, it is an edge rusher, then it's an inside linebacker, and then it's safety, which I'm prepared to talk about near closer to the end of the show. Mm-hmm. I still look through tape, but that is the. I think that is the order of need right now. If you talk about, and it is all about depth. I think I'm I'm relatively comfortable with safety compared to linebacker and edge rusher. I mean, look at Bud's injury history. Even if he's on the field, half the time he's got a broken wing. 
Right. I, th- I think that's a good point. And it's just such an important position. It's like what Bill Parcells always used to say. You pay the guy who throws the ball. You pay the guy who protects the guy who throws the ball. And then you pay the guy who tackles the guy who throws the ball. So quarterbacks, tackles, and edge rushers. Now, it's interesting that you say that inside linebacker is your second priority because I, I – I generally agree. Like, I'm not saying that it's de- definitively my second priority, but I do think inside linebacker is an issue. Like, I, I love Bush starting with Vince Williams. I know Vince is a, a little bit limited in coverage, but all things considered, I think everybody who's a Pittsburgh fan knows the guy's a really good player. He's a great run defender. He's a fantastic blitzing inside linebacker, and he's a great communicator, and he's a leader, especially with Ramon gone. It's really, I feel like Vince and Pouncey are the biggest leaders outside of Ben, but I think we're going to talk about this a little bit later unless you want to hop to it now. Uh, I think Mar- Mark Caballi said something about what Colbert was talking about in terms of, like, it seems like Colbert's giving out the indication that they're not prioritizing that inside linebacker spot, which is interesting because... Like I said, I like Bush and Vince, but behind that, you have no idea what's up. I mean, you have Ulysses Gilbert, who you and I both love his athletic ability, but he's like a six-round pick who didn't play his rookie year, so you can't possibly say you can count on him. But it looks like Kevin Colbert isn't prioritizing the position. Usually when he says that before the draft, he's telling you who they're going to draft or who they're not going to draft. So I find that pretty interesting. Yeah, I'm not sure what Kabuli means and I read the article by not prioritizing. We haven't talked to any free agents. Is that the issue? Well, Cabal, or I think um, Colbert just said he feels comfortable with the group that they have in inside linebacker with Vince Williams and, and Bush. And like, I agree. I like those guys a lot. But what do we have behind that? Does that mean that he usually says something like, I'm very uncomfortable with our inside linebackers? No, he does say something like, it's a really deep edge uh, class and like that's something we're going to prioritize um, a couple years ago when they got TJ Watt and then last year before they ended up trading up for Devin Bush when everybody was asking him questions about the draft during that process he said we didn't do a good enough job of replacing Ryan Shazier last year and then they went and traded made their biggest trade of all time well in a long time to go up and get Bush so he really does uh, kind of tell you where they're going to lean in the draft that way. But that's talking retrospectively about last year. It's obvious they didn't. No, no, it was before they drafted Bush. He said, we need to get an inside linebacker, and then they went and they got one. Because it was obvious based on the body of evidence that you needed one, as opposed to now. He's 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 not criticizing his current stable of linebackers, right? But let's face it, he... Is he comfortable with Ulysses Gilbert and Robert Spillane? That's not to know say if, he feels solid about the guys that are. I just don't think he's going to badmouth the United States. I mean, his current roster. That's, that's right. all my point is. I don't. I don't think. It's, I don't. I don't. I just think that that means he's. They're not. There's no way they're taking one in the second round. Like they'll take one, but when when he, he's honest about what they need and what they don't need, he doesn't trash other players. He didn't say. You know he. They just tend to give you an indication of where they go, and when he says, I'm happy with this group, it doesn't mean he's not going to pick up any players, but it usually means like, oh, he's not going to trade or pick up a free agent or use a high draft pick on one of those guys, and I find that interesting, but maybe that helps us solve the mystery of which position they are going to go for in that second round, because usually you can parse those comments out from Colbert the same way you can sort of whittle down the Steelers' picks 
anybody who's followed this podcast or really any other, any other Steelers podcast knows that like first-round picks for the Steelers are Power 5 school guys, great athletic testers, usually an underclassman, and then sometimes with an NFL bloodline. We need to talk about Watt or Edmonds or some of these guys. And um, like there's just and they also have to have had some of the brass physically at the prospects pro day. Like if Tomlin or Colbert isn't at the guy's pro day, they're not taking him in the first round. So there are certain signifiers when it comes to the Steelers on who they're going to take. Do I think that him saying they're happy with the inside linebackers means they're not going to take an inside linebacker in the second round? I do think that. Now, could they take one in the third? Who knows? But it's so interesting with all the different directions that they could go. Kaboli was focused on DM Buchanan who late of the Giants, who won't be bringing him back next year. So Buchanan was a first-round pick in 2014 by the Cardinals, right. played safety for a year, and then was moved to hybrid linebacker. And I think the reason he's put, putting it uh, Buchanan is we could probably afford him at this point. He's bounced around a bit. It but feels a little bit of a need. I haven't watched him play enough. but Well, I find it. I mean, he's he went out and did the homework. I figured I'd just let everybody know about that. No, that's but a good I, one. Be- because also, like, he's, he serves a little bit of two purposes. If he's Because I do know that he's a hybrid, a bit of, like, a tweener. So we're like a Mark Barron, and that didn't work out well last year. But maybe if this is a cheaper price, that's a guy who you can keep on the field and passing downs or whatever. And, yeah, that actually is a name that makes a lot of sense if the money makes sense. I mean, the problem is Vince Williams' number of snaps have gone down by half from the previous year. I mean, you you have two solid guys. One of them who's not going to make a is going to play about half the season or half the number of snaps. Yeah, I, well, I think that those are going to shoot back up. I think that they really rolled the dice on Mark Barron, despite the opinion of a lot of people who really know football who didn't even like the signing in the beginning, and then they just stuck to their gun and tried to keep him in. And I think that Vince Williams is better than Mark Barron, and he's just going to play more this year. If he can, that's that's sort of the. Well, it wasn't problem. an injury related. It was no, they, just 30 years old. and I think he'll be fine. Yeah, I think he's going to come back up. It's a weird career to have, though, right? To be like a six-round pick who's, who has to play and spot duty constantly as a rookie. He started a ton as a rookie because of all the injuries. And then works his way up to become a starter. Gets demoted for a free agent who isn't even that good. And then now is going to basically become the starter again. So it's a weird career for Vince. But I'm glad to see him back on the field more. I wish we had seen him more last year. Uh, the strategy was to preserve his aging body, only to Brilliant. bring him out in the Super Bowl window the, here. Once Ben went After down, ben they went said, down, throw, exactly. throw Barron in there. Nice. Antonio Brown is back in the news. No fault of his own. Mm-hmm. Well, it is his fault, but the wheels of justice grind slowly, but they are grinding. He has uh, been formally charged with two felonies, oh. burglary, conveyance, Mm-hmm. Misdemeanor battery, um, one felony. It's only one felony. I stand corrected. Oh, Burglary conveyance and misdemeanor battery and misdemeanor criminal mischief. After he turned himself in on January 23rd, after a delivery truck driver alleged yep. Brown and his trainer assaulted him outside of Brown's Florida home. Well, he's back in the news for more reason than one. Just uh, that, you know, as a human being, doesn't make me feel good. Them bringing back up the, the terroristic antics of Antonio Brown, but as a Steelers fan, knowing that this just makes it even more unlikely that anyone's going to want to get involved with him from a standpoint of another team signing him, it's pretty nice. You know what else was nice? Was 
Bruce Arians coming out in the media last week and explicitly saying that they're not going to sign Antonio Brown despite all the conjecture about Tom Brady wanting him there and basically saying, because I know the guy, I know our locker room, he's not a fit. He's called Antonio Brown an asshole or something like that in public while all the stuff was going down in Pittsburgh. So I think we all had a feeling that Arians wouldn't want to sign Brown, especially when you already have Goodwin and, and uh, Mike Evans there. But I I can't lie. It felt pretty nice hearing him call him out and saying that he's not going to play with Tom Brady. I just have to read this one line from the article I read. The misdemeanor battery charge states that Brown was, quote, actually and intentionally striking the driver against his will. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I then tried to re- imagine. As opposed to Thursday nights like, when it's He's consensual. faking striking, and I, I willed the striking. It's a masochistic. Yeah, odd, well, it starts, I don't know. It goes to somewhere uh, awkward and, um, I don't want to say erotic, but I don't want to go to, I, to see what the opposite please. of that would be. Oh, okay, well, moving on. Another reason why he was in the news, again, terrifying, is he was working out with Lamar Jackson and his cousin Marquise Brown on a field who knows where. I don't know where it was. It really doesn't matter. But, yeah, Brown was working out with his cousin and Lamar. and It's just, uh, yeah, again, I doubt that he would sign with the Ravens. He works out with people all the time. He worked out with Cam Newton before his last year in Pittsburgh. He works out with people. That's what he does. He works out all the time. He loves attention. So what's going to happen. Also, Marquise Brown is his cousin. But there's still, of course, is just that level of terror underneath where you're like, is, is this guy really going to go play for the Patriots and then the damn Ravens? And the Ravens could really use him. They could afford him. They really need another receiver. I highly, highly doubt that they would do that because they're too functional. I'd be absolutely shocked if it happened. But right now, it's conjecture season. You know, it's time to think up these scenarios, and I can't think of a worse one than him making the Ravens unbeatable. <laughs> He still has to go through the NFL gauntlet if he comes back. Let's, let's you know, you got to address that. Right. And the felony charge, you know, another felony charge here makes it just more difficult, which is, you know, a sad story from a fall, fall from grace. What's the band that's uh, Ben, ben Loves Ben Folds? Ben Folds five? Ben Folds 5? All right. So that doesn't apply. Eric Loves Ben. That's what I'm trying to say. Gotcha. <laughs> Eric Ebron met Ben at a spiritual conference, players conference last January, where this right. goes back to something you said midseason. I forget if you were talking about Juju and um, Mason yes. about how you want yeah, to yeah. stay in the good graces. Eric is not leaving anything to chance. I think he's just planting seeds. And during a during a conference call on Thursday with Pittsburgh area meeting, he said he struck me as someone I'd love to play with. If I could be Ben's best friend, kind of like I was with Drew. Andrew, yeah. He, uh, Eric sounds annoying if I were the quarterback. <laughs> no, Eric Ebron's super cool. He's very charismatic guy. I think uh, Pittsburgh fans will love him, even though he's not the traditional Steelers tight end in terms of being hard-nosed and everything. He's But when he's jumping over people and scoring touchdowns, I think everyone will be happy with him. By the way, uh, some other people have made a good point that uh, Eric Ebron also did come out this past week and say that his ankle is not totally healed. I think he had surgery on like both ankles or something crazy. So that does sort of terrify me and reminds me a lot of the Ladarius Green situation. 
because Ladarius Green is going to go forgotten by Pittsburgh fans, but I can't express this guy wasn't just good when he was healthy for like a grand total of three games. He was borderline dominant. I mean, he had that like 139 yard against the game against the Giants. He played every time he played, he was a factor. And that was really impressive. And so, but the injuries, the concussions really are what derailed everything. Maybe this is why the Steelers were able to get a bargain on Ebron. They they hopped on a guy who's got a bit of a questionable medical uh, as early as they can. And I got to say, I love it. I like taking that risk. We, as a podcast, have been on board with saying in these last few years of Ben's career, this offensive line's career, the defensive line's career, you know, they're a little bit younger, but still, um, you got to go all in and take some risks like that. And I like it, and hopefully it pays off. But back to Ebron being Ben's best friend, I think that he, like Antonio Brown and like Juju, they know who throws them the ball. They know who butters their bread. Antonio Brown was unbelievable about always heaping praise on Ben. He, I, I got to give him credit. He was very slick. He never said anything bad about Ben one single time ever until the drama went down in Pittsburgh. Even after the Denver radio show fiasco, he just said that like Ben's the leader, you know, if he thinks that. I don't know. He handled it so impressively. And I do think that Ben and AB had a decent relationship, even though it has been reported as being up and down. But I just think when two guys make each other millions and millions of tens of millions of dollars, I think that you have a, you know, some level of enjoyment with each other. But you could always tell with Antonio Brown, the strategically placed picture of him and Ben uh, behind his head. So every single time he did interviews at his locker room, you saw this picture of AB and Ben, and he really knew how to build him up. And receivers all the way down to the middle school level do this with the quarterback. You know you have to get in good with them. But I think that there's a balance to be struck there, right? Where you want to be his best friend. We, we've we met one time. Like, I know what this is. This almost seems fake to me. But it's just something funny to look at because Ebron's really charismatic, cool guy. Uh, but I don't... Um, I like to hear that he said that, by the way, though, before the Steelers had, were even rumored to sign him. I mean, the Steelers were never rumored to sign him. So he did say they liked Ben before. I'm sure that it helped um, when he's seen Ben light his team up a couple times. I picture E driving up to Ben's house in his 507, reaching into the back seat with his potholders and bringing the roast up to the front door. Well, Ben doesn't invite his receivers over to his house, apparently. So I know that that's really hard to get over. But hopefully, yeah, Eric will make the uh, – maybe Eric will invite him, you know. So for everybody under the misconception that we're going to have a jumbo package with Ebron on the field. Right. He said, Mike Tomlin pretty much told me he was going to put me in the best possible situation to succeed. And that's all I needed to hear. Quote, I won't have to block anybody. Right. <laughs> oh, that was important. Unlike Nick Vanette. By the way, did you see Vanette's Angry. interview? Yeah, you saw that. He's he's upset with his time in Pittsburgh. Well, yeah, it's annoying. So he's he's the only one I can ever think of saying that besides Emmanuel Sanders. So I made the stupid decision to go down the comments on you know a Twitter thread when a Denver reporter was the person who reported this Vanette thing, and some of the Denver fans were like, "Yeah, you hear a lot of players say that about Pittsburgh, right?" Emmanuel Sanders, 
list over. I'm like, you guys know one former Steeler? The, and it's the one that came to your team? Just shut up. You don't know anything. This is what annoys me about people. Like, why don't you just phrase that? Like, oh, wow, Emmanuel Sanders said the same thing, too. Why don't, how in the world can you make the assumption that other people have said that? We're a Steelers podcast, but it's without bias. Anybody who's unbiased about the NFL knows the Steelers, more than almost any other team, have the reputation of being a great place to play for, a great family atmosphere that way. There's a lot of players who have left who have said they shouldn't have left. They didn't realize how good they had it in terms of the Rooney family and whether it was Cower or Tomlin. A lot of the stories are from the Cower era because uh, a lot of those guys are retired now, you know. But... Um, you know, they said they didn't know how good they had it when you start in Pittsburgh and then you leave and teams don't treat you that way. Owners don't know you by name. And of course, you know, those guys like Manuel Sanders where they were complicating situations and then you go and you play with Peyton Manning and you win a Super Bowl. So, yeah, of course, it's not going to work for everybody. But I thought that it was uh, interesting that Vanette said uh, – you know, that he really didn't enjoy his time there. I could see how that could happen because he was brought in kind of as a rush and never really got a chance to become part of the team. He got beat out by like three other tight ends in Seattle. And then John Ledyard made a great retweet comment on Vanette's quotes about not liking Pittsburgh saying like, yeah, it's not really getting fun getting run over literally every single time you attempt to block somebody in one season. So at least Ebron can catch. Vanette was brought in to be a traffic cone, essentially. They're not going to make Ebron do that. And I got to say, you, the Steelers have done a really good job under Mike Tomlin and Kevin Colbert the past few years of adjusting to the times. I feel like the Steelers were able to play with one style for like 40 years. You know, the 90s teams had the same ethos as the 70s teams. And there was definitely creativity in there. I mean, just look at Cordell. And how they used him. I mean, imagine what he could have done in this day and age. But overall, it was always about running game and defense. It seems like the NFL advances a lot quicker these days. It's like every three to five years. It's, okay, now it's spread offenses. Now it's RPOs. Now it's back to power. And the Steelers have done a good job of adjusting. You would have never seen them bring someone in like Ebron 10 years ago. But now they realize, like, hey, this guy could help our team. We saw a guy like Ladarius Green, in theory, help our team if he had been healthy uh so yeah i respect them for bringing in a guy and it is hilarious seeing him say like yeah not around the block he didn't say that i just want to be clear right that's my interpretation well basically we because i agree i think everyone agrees so even though i said that my priority would be edge rusher inside Uh linebacker then safety i did take a look at the safeties on the draft board and I thought there were a couple of interesting points. Not that I broke these guys down in infinitesimal tape watching. Right. But just, I, just, I just want to throw some names out there. I'm not even throwing in and predicting that the Steelers will pick them up. But there's something interesting about each of them. And, you know, they would be a candidate. Because I looked at guys who purportedly will be available in the second round. You know, not taken right. up too early. First one is Ashton Davis out of Cal. He is one of the top single high safeties in the class. He's obviously got speed, good change of direction. He unloads on ball carries. I mean, the tapes I watch, and of course all the tapes are highlight tapes, so he's unloading on every single play. But he can flip his hips. The guy, he's he can run forever and fast, covers a lot of ground. The negatives are he did tend to lose, get lost on his assignments in the plays, which we're used to. We know how to deal with that. We just And we he's also undersized, so... 
couple of the couple of characteristics the Steelers have historically emphasized. Right. Yeah. Th- there are some there are some positives about a player like that in terms of the Steelers. If they're going to take a safety, they're really going to want a guy who can have some single high ability because that would enable you to let Minka play elsewhere, you know, in, in critical situations. Let's say there's a shirt third and short in the middle of the field, third and, you know, three in a little passing situation. You'd love to be able to bring Minka down to play one-on-one on like a tight end or a slot receiver or something like that. But where it stands now, you can't trust Terrell Edmonds to play deep. So you need to keep Minka back there pretty much at all times. It'd be great if you had another guy who could play deep and free Minka up to do some other things. Now, Ashton Davis, redshirt senior. So that's a little bit outside of the Steelers, uh, you know, zone of what they like to do. But do, do we have anything on his athletic testing? Like what he did for the, for like the 40 or like how, how fast he is like truly, obviously he's a track guy, but, or the cone drills, 14 reps on the bench. That's it. That's not enough. Well, either way, just like like you said, these are just, yeah, these are, um, these are just some names to look out for that uh, have been rumored uh, to be linked with the Steelers or just guys who are even available. Yeah, so the other two guys, uh, there, there's something about them I just wanted to highlight. When we talk about NFL bloodlines, Antoine Winfield Jr. from Minnesota, son of former NFL standout yep. Antoine Winfield. So check one in the positive box. The um, problem is that he was redshirted in 2017 and 18. Had a great 2019. He is a quote-unquote heat-seeking missile, and he's got great ball skills, but sort of that length that that limitation of just playing a senior year probably is a reason not to go after him well the Steelers love the NFL bloodlines you know Bush his dad played in the NFL Watt we obviously know about that family Edmonds we know about that family so they do love those bloodlines that's not a crazy one a lot of people talking about him with the Steelers so my favorite and (laughs) because of where he is from Kyle Duggar from Lenore Rhine. Have you heard of Lenore Rhine? No. Back from your lacrosse days, it is one of the six Division II schools in the country hmm. at North Carolina. One interesting connection is some of the tape I watched was um, from ESPN, and guess who was one of the broadcasters? Who? Big, tri- Big Trey Essex. Trey Essex? A yes, steel fantastic. Man. Lenore so this guy, Ryan, that's insane. How do you work your way up to the NFL that way? Crazy. Well, that would be that's why I'm bringing it up. I mean, he is yeah. he is listed as a as a potential target, um, explosive, big hitter. He's a big guy, but quote unquote, you might as well have been watching his high school tape, considering the competition <laughs> level of Lenore Ryan. And he right. did not only was he destroying, he was bigger than almost everybody in the field. So he's only six one two seventeen. So that's a nice size safety. Uh, not too big, it doesn't sound like. But uh, yeah, well, Draft Network has, his, has him ranked as the sixth best safety in the class. And so that says a lot. Cliff Harris Award winner, best defensive player in Division Two, And he's the all-time leader in punt return yardage for the school. So he might have another dimension that would entice us to take a chance on I was going to say, if you're playing D2 and it, it is clear that it's a man among boys, he better have been playing some offense or returning. Yeah, there was plenty of highlight tape of him returning punts. Cool. I like it. 
So what I think we ought to do now is collectively bow our heads and pray for Antonio to do something on Instagram this week. Anything. Somebody. <laughs> I think, I don't think we players. even have to pray. I think that you can count on it. I mean, you can count on it happening. So it'll be interesting. The NFL is saying that they are all systems go for the season. I can't imagine. Well, obviously, like mini camps and stuff like that aren't going to happen. I don't even know what's going to happen with training camps if, you know, this COVID stuff's going to affect all that. You kind of think it would, but right now the NFL is keeping on a straight face and just saying it's going to be business as usual. So we're ticking down to the draft. Don't get too far ahead of ourselves. The thing I'm worried about is that the NFL gets Corona shamed into not having the draft in some, by some ridiculous quarters of our, of our society. No, they're having it. Goodell, Goodell said that they're having it for sure. All right. Well, a lot of governors said they weren't going to close their state either, and they've been shamed yeah. into it. So, well, there we do have a governor who just found out that Corona is contagious, basically. <laughs> Check us out on Instagram at Steelers Outpost. Hit us up on Twitter at Steelers Outpost. Shoot us an email at Steelers Outpost at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Until next week, go Steelers. Okay, bye bye. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Searching for NBA playoff coverage? We've got you. The Old Man and the Three, presented by BMW, gives you an inside look into the world of sports. Hosted by former NBA sharpshooter and Duke legend J.J. Redick and sports writer Tommy Alter, The Old Man and the Three offers unprecedented access to the league. Tommy and J.J. discuss the NBA and interview some of the biggest names in the league, like Devin Booker and Luka Doncic. NBA final season is the perfect time to dive in, and you can listen to The Old Man and the Three wherever you get your podcasts. To hear episodes brought to you by BMW.
Push the limits this NBA season with the brand that set the ultimate standard. BMW, the ultimate driving machine.